Welcome to the AA Pod. We're the podcast for health professionals and the wider community looking to explore diverse ideas in health, ask the hard questions, and have the difficult conversations. I'm your host, Archie. I'm an EP based on Sydney's Northern Beaches. And joining me as always is Allied Health business owner, Andrew. Today's topic is what uni doesn't teach you. So, Andrew, health profession uni courses change over the years. So people's experience differ depending on when you finished. I'm curious, Andrew, as a veteran of the EP world, when you were coming up as a young blood, what was something you thought uni did well? And what was something in hindsight you wish they taught you better? Oh, I'm 36, Archie. <laughs> I'm not that much of a veteran. Jeez. So I was going to start answering this question by giving you a little bit of context because when I went through, I think I was like the third or fourth year to go through my university. So the course was very mashed together. It's nowhere near what it is now. So my answers to those questions are very different to perhaps what a, a new grad at the moment might be answering. And you might be able to give some perspective on that in a bit when we kind of flip these questions around. So because of that, the first two years of my degree was like science and psychology, like chemistry 1A and 1B. And I failed chemistry 1A, which was <laughs> joyous because I had to redo it. What I struggled with coming out of university was being able to communicate properly. Mm. That's one of the things that uni really doesn't teach you very well. Mm. It, it, teach, it taught me how to diagnose movement or how to diagnose kind of movement deficiencies. Mm. It was, a, it was a, like I said, a very mishmash degree where we would be performing, you know, range of movement tests and, and analyzing people's squats and all of that sort of stuff to, to try and pick out where deficiencies were in people. Find the dysfunction. Find the dysfunction. Mm. And so I came out of uni knowing that. So I felt kind of confident in that. And that kind of set the course for my, my CPD over the first few years in private practice, which was around the functional movement screen and the SFMA and those sorts of things, which then kind of led me into ART and, and putting my hands on people. But I felt good and I felt comfortable with being able to screen people mm. and being able to diagnose. Now, what I've learned since then is that the, the validity of some of that stuff is a little bit iffy. Mm. And to, to pinpoint and say that your back pain is caused by a glute med dysfunction or something like that, you know, it's, it's not as concrete yeah. as it was when I first started. Mm. So I thought... Uni taught me that quite well. Looking now, kind of, I think I'm 13 years out or something like that. My, what I do day to day has got absolutely nothing to do with what I did at uni. Interesting. And this is, this is the big point about what uni doesn't teach you, that other courses, other allied health courses, it introduced a little bit. But we had absolutely zero. And that is like 
how to run a business and how to make it successful and how to build referral networks mm. and how to specialize. Right. Yeah. Because there's, we, we did zero of that. And I think in EP where we are pushing out so many new grads every year from university that the public health system can only take so many mm. and they've got to go somewhere and we don't want them to go back and have to do another physio degree or an OT degree or something like that. No, we want we, them to stay. leave EP completely. Mm. We don't want that because there are so many great, like we see it from a student perspective, right? Mm. Mm. So many great students that come through, mm. but when there aren't those career progressions, when there aren't those ability to learn how to run a business that's ingrained in university, mm. people get a bit lost and they don't really know what they should be doing. So that's my one. I'll flip the question back to you now. <laughs> What's something that the university taught you mm. quite well, being a, a newer mm. grad and something that they wish they'd taught you a little bit better? My one's quite simple. I felt like... At uni, I did a two years, two year masters of EP after doing exercise sports science for three year undergrad, um, and in my masters, kind of where it took all of my exercise knowledge and applied it clinically to different conditions, I felt like it did a good job, and I don't know if this was their intention, but I felt like they did a good job at stopping me from doing any harm, and kind of getting me to that baseline where okay, we're confident that you can rule out red flags and you can not hurt people and therefore hopefully not give EP a bad name. Um, some areas more than other, they, they gave me the ability to, to help people quite well, um, but then a lot of that came from placements where I learned a lot more from placements uh, rather than uni itself. In terms of what... I felt like I missed a lot from uni was how important communication was if with any client. And now, now we've, I've had a student from ACU who actually did say that in their course, they had an entire subject that was surrounding communication and then how to talk about conditions to each of the different people that they see throughout it. So they talked about motivational interviewing and these sorts of things and reflective listening um, and active listening and then how it relates to every condition that they'd see. And I thought that was amazing. That's because amazing. Because I definitely didn't get that. Um, and I can imagine you definitely didn't get it when you didn't be either. Um, but I feel like that is almost the most beneficial skill, especially working in private practice, where no one's going to come and see you if they don't like you. And it doesn't matter how good your skills are, if you don't get along with them and they don't build rapport with you, they're not coming back and paying you. So you're not even going to get the chance to do any treatment with people. So I think for me, that was the number one thing that I wish they taught more of and I hope that they're going to do more of is more communication-based subjects where it's actual practice in just talking to people. How do you make people like you? How do you listen to people better? These sorts of things. I want to move on, Andrew, to another topic here. 
I'm sure we can agree that the initial visit, consultation with a new client, is a critical point in deciding whether our treatment will be successful or not. Yet I feel that uni, at uni there isn't always enough emphasis on how to effectively run an initial in the real world. Now at Rebound, you um, get to experience a lot of students and new grads. Uh, what do you feel are the main skills generally lacking from their education when it comes to running initials? They're aligning ourselves quite closely in the past with a, a quite medical model of treatment and in doing that, making it very transactional. So this mindset that people are referred to me and they come to me for advice and it's my job to give them advice. And the, the mindset of uh, people that haven't done a lot of initial consult successfully is that while they might actively listen and while, while they might ask good reflective questions, they still believe that it's their job to tell other people what they should be doing. Mm -hmm. And the challenge with that is that that might not be what the person wants. Right. Maybe they don't want to have someone dictate to them. Maybe they don't want someone to just draw some chicken scratchings on a piece of paper and say, there's your exercise program. Go and do this three times a week mm. for the next four weeks mm. and I will give you a call in a few weeks' time mm. and see how you're going. Here's your fizzy track program that was pre-prepared for NEOA. Mm. And it's so, it's as a business owner, right, you, you're always trying to find ways to cut down on your admin. Mm. And if you could systemize a fizzy track program for NEOA, Fuck, that'd be good. If I could template everything. That'd be fantastic. If I could template my life, I would. Oh, how good would that be? <laughs> and that might work mm. for a very small percentage of people mm. who are those very analytical types that just need to be told, do this, don't do that, see you soon. And because their attitude towards their recovery is, I will do it because it's meaningful to me. Mm. Wonderful. Yeah. Away we go. They don't need any actual support. They just need someone to tell them what to do. Exactly. Those clients definitely exist. Absolutely. And they're the easiest clients in the world where they're just like, tell me exactly what to do. And it's like, okay, fine, I can do that. Exactly. But it's not that common. It's not that common. And like you said before, it's the skill of the practitioner to be able to understand that I have one of those people sitting in front of me. Mm. So I can be quite prescriptive to them mm. and they will follow it. Mm. Whereas the, the majority of people don't necessarily want that. Yeah. They've been dictated to by GPs. They've been dictated to by specialists. They've been dictated to by any number of Insurance. other work cover where they are kept out of the decision-making process. Mm. They are prescribed, mm. whether it's an exercise program or a pill or uh, a psychological therapy. Um, Whereas what we know is that the vast majority of people want to be heard and it's difficult to hear people if you're talking at them. Mm. It's that classic thing of like 70, 30, 70% listening, 30% talking. 
and then how much of that 30% is that person actually going to remember when they leave that initial consult? Well, that's right. I mean, so much of, and there's been studies done on this, right, mm. and I'm, I'm blanking on them at the moment, but it's only a very small percentage of people that actually, or a small percentage of information that people retain mm. after they walk out your doors, and, and a majority of that is actually misinterpreted. So mm. just because you, you come up with wonderful words that are, spoken in your consult doesn't actually mean that they will sink in to that person. And like you started with right at the top of this, if you don't get the opportunity to reinforce those messages over time with mm. people, mm. and it's just a once off, I'm going to unload all of my four years of study onto you in our 30 to 45 minute consultation, yeah. that person's going to walk out probably confused mm. and probably gone, well, that didn't really work for me. So it's interesting, right? Because uni, I would say uni does a good job of teaching people a lot about the conditions that people will come in with. And so people come out of uni with a lot of information to give and to tell, uh, but they don't necessarily know how much of it to give. Or, or when. Or when. Exactly, right? Mm. Because, you know, as soon as someone comes in the door and they mentioned that they need help with a certain goal or something and you, you know, a light bulb goes like, oh, I remember my training at uni about this. I can give you everything on this. Mm. I wrote an essay on this topic. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you all the research there is. Yeah. Um, but often it's too much. It's well too much. It's well it's, too much to give someone. It's well too much. And this kind of leads me into, into the next point of uh, practitioners lacking the confidence to be able to communicate a management plan to people. Okay. Where, you know, I can sit here with a, a certain amount of years of, of hindsight and be able to say with confidence that it takes time, particularly if you're exercising with someone as the main form of intervention with them, it takes time to get results. Mm, mm. And you can't just fix people and you can't just lay a management plan on the table and say, this is your plan. If you follow this, you will be fixed. Yeah. You have to, I, I don't like the phrase buy in, but I'm going to, I'm going to say it in this context, but people need to buy into the program that you're setting out to them, whether or not that means they're buying into, you know, seeing you as a practitioner mm. three mm. times a week mm. or whether they're buying into you as a person and I trust this person mm. to be able to get me to something that's meaningful or something that's relevant. Mm. That's the context that I say buy in. It's yeah. not like, you know, here's a... Here, give me money. Give me money. Yeah. But when you're sitting in that consult room, and again, with hindsight, I can say that I know it takes me time to be able to do this. And so I'm not trying to rush that consult, which a lot of new grads tend to do. They try to rush it. They try to empty all of their knowledge bucket. And then consult's done in 20 minutes. Consult's done in 20 minutes. They walk out, the, the client walks out the door without a next appointment booked in, mm. without clarity on how long is this going to take. Mm. Am, I, am I coming back to see this person or am I not? Yeah. Um, they said they're going to email me a plan, but I, I, I don't like email. <laughs> I don't like email. I don't have an email. I don't trust the internet. <laughs> so the, the idea of just dumping information on people and then leaving them 
to their own. Number one, that's terrible for an EP because mm. we are so young and we are so trying to find our place in the allied health world that mm. if that is the perception of what an EP does, mm. we're going to be in a lot of trouble Not looking good. as the pendulum from physio swings back a away from active or away from passive therapy mm. and back to active therapy which is what it was 20 years ago when physios were doing exercise and yeah. active based mm. therapy with people if we're just riding physiotrack programs and plonking it in front of people well then we're going to be just the same as a physio so why would somebody same as a physio or the same as google <laughs> because Look, I, I can find the knee OA exercise program on YouTube. And it's probably great. And it's probably just as good as a fizzy track one. <laughs> so if, if that's going to be my intervention, um, I'm, no, I'm not even as good as a free free video service <laughs> online. So it's, it's what, what else can they offer? Like, what else do you give them? Is it, is it the building trust, the guidance? The support, the ability to answer questions, the ability to actually, you know, make this person feel safe um, going through this exercise program, you know, because we find a lot of people when they come in with conditions, um, they're often quite scared. You know, say someone's been to see their GP and the GP has given them a diagnosis based on some scans or based on what a specialist has told them um, or what the radiographer's written down on their report and they go, oh, you need to go see this person. They're often very, very confused and often very, very scared because they don't know what that means for them. So it might not be us telling them more about the condition itself and telling, giving them more and more and more information about the condition, the pathology about it, but it might be going, Hey, this is actually okay. You know, I, I know a lot about this and I'm not going to tell you everything right now because that's too much, but um, you can have feel some safety in knowing that it's okay and then kind of guiding them on a little plan there. So it, it's interesting, right? So I guess if we were to summarize that little one, it's, it's we at uni, they learn a lot about, people learn a lot about conditions. But they don't learn about how to talk to people about them, how much to give, how much information to give them, when to give them the information, and then how to structure the treatment plan, would you say? Yeah, I'd say so. How and to create buy-in, sorry. How to create buy-in and how to be okay with knowing that, you know what, this person sitting across from me, mm. their glass is full now. Mm. They've got as much information as they're going to get in mm. today. So we're just going to leave it there mm. and we'll come back next time mm. and do it again. Mm. And that's okay. Mm. Like you said, you know, the beliefs that people have, the particularly when it's given from people of authority, mm. if they're saying that people are broken, I've had a client of mine say that his spine is crumbling, <laughs> crumbling. It's very emotive. It's very emotive, right? And and so how then can I I can't I can't change that mindset mm. in forty five minutes. No. I, no. I just can't. I have the benefit of saying that with hindsight mm. and saying to in, in that particular client's instance, mm. 
showing that person over a very long period of time that this their spine might be crumbling. I, I don't know. Like I can't see inside their spine. It might very well be crumbling. But that doesn't mean they, they have to stop doing everything. Mm. They can still do a lot of things that are very meaningful to them and I can help them mm. along that process mm. with a lot less fear. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's the coaching side of it. And that's the the, the almost the taboo word in EP that yeah. where we are conditioned to be so prescriptive, whereas the successful EPs do prescribe, mm. but they also coach and, and they allow the, a greater array of, of understanding of beliefs and understanding mm. of the, the person sitting across from them mm. that influences the way that they treat over time. Mm. Two very interesting things I think you just said there. One was the coach side of things. Uh, rather than a, a treatment provider, perhaps, and how important the coaching role is, but also the meaningful activity side of things, that there is a lot of things that people can do or that we can help them get back to. So I think that our industry can almost better describe us as coaches helping people to get back to meaningful activities. And if we come back to our original topic, which is what uni doesn't teach you, so something I notice is that there is not a large emphasis on helping people reach uh, their goals of returning to meaningful activities. It is, if you have this condition, how do we reduce the, the pain and symptoms of this condition? Rather than putting it in a positive light and going, you have this condition, how can we coach you back to meaningful activities? And in the meantime, or at, and that will happen as a result of reducing symptoms and pain, that sort of thing. I think that even just rephrasing that and having people focus on the positive things there, where it is based around meaningful activities, and those are the goals that we work towards, not a reduction in pain or a reduction in you know, weakness or dysfunction in an area, can greatly improve the way that new grads and people connect with clients and help with those things like buy-in and this and rapport and that sort of stuff. I think that's definitely something that could be more beneficial. You've, you've touched on two points that I want to kind of bring together and, and bring together in the form of a question for you. So mm -hmm. the first one is that you started with this idea that university just teaches us how to not hurt people, mm. right? That we do have a, a bare minimum understanding of everything, uh, everything, right? And then just, just now you've spoken a bit about chronic pain and, and your kind of expertise, mm. taboo word, expertise mm. taboo. in chronic pain. So, can you guide us through that process? So mm. in terms of what uni doesn't teach you, mm. uni gives you a basic understanding and is it then on the individual to go mm. and learn more or should we just be okay with the fact that university has taught us so much in four years? Look, four years is not a long time and there are a lot of conditions out there and a lot of different people that we as EPs will see, slash any health profession, it's, it's almost impossible to make you an expert at anything 
when you have to be a generalist, right? So I think part of that is not necessarily on uni, but is on the individual um, to, to seek out those, uh, those different areas. So for those listening, my, my main area of interest is chronic persistent pain, that kind of area. Um, and that started for me as an interest while I was at uni. Um, and look, we, we had subjects where we'd have um, a lecture or a tute where we looked at a Venn diagram of uh, a biopsychosocial model and how this was the gold standard um, over a biomedical model. And then, cool, okay, next, next, next slide. We'll move on to, <laughs> let's go to the next thing. So in no way does it give you enough information there. Um, where, where I kind of got my interest from was at placement, um, where I came across different people with different conditions and I found different ones interesting just because they resonated with me. I found it really interesting. Um, and then from that, I found out about professional development courses. And I went to those professional development courses as a student, once by some guys called Knowledge Exchange from Melbourne, and they were awesome. And I've been to a couple of those since then. And then that's really sparked my interest for that. And then you see more of that. You see more clients in that area. You have positive results with those clients and the people who referred them go, oh, okay, they're quite good. I'll send more. And the person you saw tells their friends who have similar problems that, hey, this went well. And that's kind of where that grows. You get more experience and that happens. I don't necessarily think it's on uni to teach you how to be an expert. I think it is on uni to teach you how to be a good generalist and be able to see everyone because you can't come out of uni and specialise straight away. You can come out of uni and go to a clinic that specialises in something and then learn to be a specialist and an expert in it. Um, but you can't, you can't, they like, uni doesn't have the resources to make you uh, learn, give you the skills to be a specialist in an area. So I don't think it's on them. Um, I definitely think that they could do a good job of telling students where to find extra information on different areas of interest are. Um, I, if I could recommend that students go to professional development courses before they finish uni, I would tell that to everyone because it was so beneficial to me. I felt like I had a huge step up going into my first private practice initials because I'd been to a course where they'd done initials in front, mock initials in front of me. So I had an idea of what it actually meant. It's the only initial that we actually got to do at uni um, was a simulation prac where they had an actor come in and there were five student EPs sitting in front of this actor all with clipboards and we each got given a section of the initial to run. So either uh, family history, medical history, exercise history, medication, um, physical assessments or uh, wrap up <laughs> kind of thing. and then you just kind of pinballed from one person to the other and that was your experience of uh, learning how to do an initial well horrible. well while, while that is horrible that is so far beyond <laughs> what I did like I, we didn't even talk to people when I was there I was oh, I was doing no. something completely different mm -hmm. so it's at least you're actually communicating with a human 
that's it, right? And I, I think that was a benefit that I got that not even everyone got because that was only in the master's program. Um, we got to do that. The undergrad EPs didn't get to do the clinical sim. So yeah, it's definitely beneficial. But I think what uni doesn't teach you in terms of that stuff is um, where to find other resources, where to find other ways of learning. Mm -hmm. And that would be incredibly beneficial, I think. Andrew, we've waffled on for a while now. Do you want to give me your final thoughts on what we've talked about in terms of what uni doesn't teach you, what you think is most important for people to get out of this? I think it's as an employer of EPs now, you, you touched on a, a huge point there. And, and if a new EP, a new grad EP is coming to me with CPD on their resume, that stands way, way above anything else mm. that, that's coming through the door. So if you're a new grad EP listening to this, don't think you have to wait until you finish uni to go and start getting into these courses because it, it really makes you stand out, not just from a CV perspective, but also when you step into those initial consults for the first time. And, and if you, you come into a business similar to, to Rebound, you know, you get taught how to do it. You get taught a structure, but you're, you're miles ahead. I'd say, I'd say that's relevant, not just for EP as well, because you employ physios, OTs, dietitians as well, that in any healthcare, seeking out CPD while you're still at uni is incredibly beneficial. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah. Because there is so much out there. And while there are great courses like the Knowledge Exchange, mm. there's also a bunch of stuff that you can find online for, oh. for next to nothing. Yeah. So um, I would encourage people very much to... Start looking before uni finishes about the opportunities that are out there. Probably then ties into the second point about don't expect that when you walk out of university that you will have all the answers. Mm. Again, I sit here as somebody that employs a team that I don't expect them to have the answers. I don't expect new grad EPs to be able to, to have the same impact on clients Straight away. No. So that's okay. Like, don't stress about that. There's no that's, pressure on that. There's right? no pressure on that. Um, because while, while there is a huge place for professional development, there is also a huge place for just practicing yeah. and just being in front of people. And, and, and I've done this a bunch of times where people have come in for an assessment. I haven't really been given much information before <laughs> I stepped into that. And I walked in, I was like, fuck, <laughs> I did not know what that is. <laughs> and that's okay, right? Like, that's yeah. okay. Yeah. Because after they finish and after you finish your consult and you, you walk away, you go back to your textbooks and you go back to Dr. Google and... You figure that shit out, mm. but that's okay. Mm. So, so probably biggest second takeaway is take the pressure off yourself that you, you don't need to know and employers don't expect you to know everything. Mm. They expect you to try mm. and they expect you to be flexible mm. if you're going to see a whole bunch of different people with a whole bunch of different conditions that perhaps the one approach is not the best way mm. for them all. Very well said. Thank you for listening, everyone. If you liked it, please leave a review, 
share with your friends. We'll be back every two weeks with another topic. We'll catch you next time. Cheers.